watch The Neutral Zone, a Star Trek podcast by ladies where we talk about Star Trek loudly and at great length. Well, hopefully we're going to keep this episode under 45 minutes because I want to go back and talk about how much I hated Rogue One. <laughs> <laughs> I have so much to say. Um, I'm your host, Kareen, joined by Kim. Hello. And Ari. Hello. Today we're here to talk about Season 3, Episode 7, Day of the Dove, or as I like to call it, Love the Player, Hate the Game. <laughs> <laughs> I was also going to go into the Hamilton reference when you got mm. skin in the game, you stay in the game. Right, right. But you don't get to win unless you play in the game. You get love for it, you get hate for it, but you get nothing if you wait for, wait for. Yeah, anyways. <laughs> Hamilton is great. Um, <laughs> so this is a laborious metaphor for everyone should just really hug it out. Yep. Yeah, I didn't hate it. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, it was really long. I kept going being like, no, surely this is over and there'll be 25 minutes left. It felt very, very slow. Uh, well, it, was, yes. it was a bottle episode. Like, everything yeah. happened on the ship. So it was just a lot of back and forth and back and forth to various locations in the ship. But it always makes the show feel long. It felt super long. I was watching it on my phone. I kept tapping it going, surely to goodness I only have five minutes left. No! Oh, another 37. <laughs> I did I did have a few minutes of that where I was like, it's quarter after seven in the morning. This is almost done, right? No, no, 15 minutes left? Okay. <laughs> okay. Time has uh, stopped moving. <laughs> Especially during the sword fights. I don't mind oh, a good sword fight. Squid? Except those were oh. good sword fights. No, they, no, were, they were not good sword fights. No. Um, Even for Star Trek, they, they were bad sword fights. Bad doing those sword fights. No really one bad. came off well no. from this. No, they were badly choreographed. Yes, and having taken fencing lessons, I could say that they're all doing very, very bad. Oh no, I have another alternate title, which is Live, Die, Repeat, which <laughs> apparently this movie lifted the plot entirely from. Well, in, mm. in many ways. Mm. You die, but you're not really dead. But you live to fight another day because there is a giant disco ball that wants your negative emotions. Yeah, but sure. that your whole... delicious, delicious negative I emotions. I didn't feel like the whole, this is going to be going on and on and we're just going to be repeating the thing over and over again. Lived, I repeat. Was very well fleshed out. It was just kind of like, nobody died even from stab wounds to the kidney. It wasn't even really talked about until like no. well no. the episode. And I would have liked to see how far they were going to take that. Because at a certain point, Kang's like, and if I slice you up into tiny bits, like, will we watch you reanimate? Like, will the pieces like wiggle together back? <laughs> there is a Deep Space Nine episode from, Ugh. I think, either end of season one or beginning of season two that does this much more effectively. Okay. The one where um, the- Kaiopaka, mm-hmm. um, they go to a planet, like Kaiopaka's like, oh, let's get on a ship and go to the wormhole. I want to go somewhere. On a whim. Yeah, on a whim. And they end and, up on like a, it's yeah, a penal colony. It's a penal colony or something, but anyway, the people are, they can't die, but okay. they're constantly stuck in a loop of fighting each other. And Kai Opaka, once she gets, like, infected with the bugs that won't let you die, she was like, I'm going to stay here and work for peace. I'm like, way to abandon your people. Whoa. But it was a much more effective version of this, I think. Yeah, This in itself is a really interesting con. It is. It was not particularly well carried out. No, of course not. There was an actual (laughs) lecture at the original series. There was an actual lecture at the end. But I felt like the actual idea itself is very interesting that you get two two groups of people who just hate each other on a fundamental level because of bigotry, I guess. Yeah. And you just kind of shake it up and they never die, but they keep fighting and they never really realize why or think about stopping. Which in that way, I think it's really saying something like we're constantly stuck in this battle for what reason yeah exactly yeah. and i thought i thought the themes were very relevant to our modern day oh sure, sure. yes yes it, the, it is they're like the prejudice and they're just 
hating people because of who they are. And there was po- there was a part where Kirk or somebody was like, was I just racially bigoted to oh someone? So <laughs> amazing. It was Spock. <laughs> we have and he's like, like I, I felt a flush of racial bigotry. How, how awful. Yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, well. all right, but guys, like, I, I get what you're saying. It's, it's, as a commentary, I think it's good. As a commentary, it was. Like, why are we fighting this, this person or this group? Well, they don't look like us and we've heard bad things about them, which quite frankly, again, drawing to our modern day connotations. Mm-hmm. Well, I've heard bad things about what they do. Yeah. And once upon a time, they did this thing. Yeah. There's just sort of a sideways propaganda is bad, sort of. And patriotism. Like, there's a bit where Kirk is like beating the drums of patriotism going off to war. And there's a lot of uh, talk about like the militarism because they're constantly like, oh, we need to fight. We're military men. This is what we do. This is the glory of battle. And the thing that I really liked is that they had both sides go on about what the, uh, what the, the atrocities of the other side. So you have the the, the Klingon's wife. She's being like, we've heard about your prison camps and slavery and, and you have, I think it's Chekhov at the other yeah. side doing, you know, they murdered and they, they enslave and they torture. Yeah. So everyone's heard bad things about each other, but because they haven't actually taken the time to sit around a campfire and talk about their feelings. Can I just like, take a moment to note how much I prefer later Klingons to early Klingons? Because... Yeah, let's get this right out in the open. So it's all like brown face. Oh and, God, it's so awful. Uh, Extreme the, brown face. Oh my it's, God, it's terrible. Also like oh. quality wise, they're shiny. Quality wise? They Why like, they're, they're so shiny? Oh. I assume because it was actually boot polish. But I, like, it might have been like cocoa. It's and so terrible. Vaseline because oh, it would be like, like icing. It's it's terrible. It's a bad choice. Uh, like if you had walked up to one of those actors and like run your finger down <laughs> yeah. their cheek, you would have left like a streak. Yeah. My favorite part about it is they didn't bother doing their hands. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even notice that. That's oh, I did. Fun. It's, yeah. It's never a good idea. It's also, like, up until now, the Klingons have not... I mean, they've sometimes been... They have been... Like, slightly... Dusky. Dusky. But this was, like... Amp that up to eleven. Yeah, this was very Crazy. obviously make them as brown as possible. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Quite it was awful on every level. Understand the reasons, unless they were trying to draw some really torrid metaphor for just racial um, inequalities, and which is odd given the composition of the Enterprise crew. Well, I, I feel like, again, when they're trying to do social commentary, they don't necessarily do it very well, but no. by God, they try. And I think maybe that was what they were... But it felt more like a Russia thing. Yeah. It did. Well, that's what the Klingons... Yeah. That's one of the things they, they stood in for in the original like, series. Quote, unquote, like, Eurasians. Yeah. Um, especially And they're this huge empire, and they love war. Yeah, they just love war. They just can't help themselves. God, yeah. I prefer later Klingons so much. Well, they get a little bit more nuance. Like, they're still a warrior well, actually, people, but it's a society based on that. And which, they've got, like, a whole culture based around, like, yeah. warrior ethos. and Rather yeah. than these guys who are just and like, honor. I just love conquering. I just can't help myself. I see a planet. It looks all innocent and defenseless. And I just have to have it. Um, Yeah. So do keep in mind that the brown face is not appreciated by anyone. Literally no one. No. uh, Whoever did the makeup on this should be questioning their profession. Retroactively fired. Removed from the union. (laughs) I mean, they're probably dead by now. So that's true. That's true. And we're allowed to hate on people. Oh, wait. It's people that are alive. I said probably dead. Yeah, yeah, you have a no hating on people who are That's alive. A yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they're alive. Whereas people that are dead, they they they're can't dead. hear me. They yeah. cannot hear me unless they can hear you from beyond the grave. 
In nope. which case, they should be nope. ashamed. So they start by beating down on a planet, which has like the greatest pink floof plant <gasps> I have I loved the floof ever plants. seen. They were hot pink and feathery, and I loved them. Yeah. And I loved that there was a, like a bright green sky. Yeah. It looked and like they could have come out of the costume department from like a fan dance costume, and they just shoved them in the ground. Yeah. Yeah, they were undulating in the breeze, and they were hypnotic. So right off the bat, I was like, this is a great episode, and (laughs) everything that comes after is just going to continue on this trend. You were right. Yes and no, because Kirk is immediately like, okay, check off, scan. And check off's like, yeah, atmosphere, little. And then he says, let me bring up my first note, Tricorder has no signs of civilization. Is there a setting on the tricorder <laughs> that scans for civilization? I would love to know what that setting is called. Civilization setting. I mean, I can think of a lot of, like, really quick scans you could do on a planet that would tell you whether or not people lived on it. I think this setting is an but... evolution from the game Civilization. Yeah. Sid Meier setting. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, they don't specify, like, you know... Air pollution or set settling or I guess like settlements. Yeah, yeah. nothing. But again, like I assume no was, sign. No. But the reason he's scanning for this is because there's supposed to be a colony here. There is supposed to be one, but there very clearly is not. God. And the best part is, is that there's no, there's nothing to indicate that there ever was a civilization, and there's nothing to indicate that a civilization was destroyed here. So there first go-to emotion is my god a hundred men women and children now my question was like is it a hundred men and then a hundred women and then a hundred children <laughs> usually like, it's how a did bit those numbers match up yeah so honestly that's, that's not that much but anyways exactly. kirk falls to his knees and starts like patting the ground he does a lot of acting in this episode <laughs> oh yeah like there's gonna be a part where i'm gonna be really into it but <laughs> like off the get-go i was like oh get off your knees kirk not yet not yet like save that emotion you gotta parcel it out a little bit yeah, i want to note that the, the mysteriously completely disappearing colony is never brought up again nor is it explained how that happened. they bring it up once later on yeah. for but like these two are like colonies that they just lose it just disappeared they don't explain how that happened. there was no colony nobody at any point ever considered that they got the wrong planet Fair point. So, no, there was no colony. Oh, so no. that so yeah, did that it was send a the colony call? was fake. Yeah, it was the, the disco sing- ball sent. Okay, I did the not distress get that. call. Yes, but it all right, sent the that distress makes a lot call more to the Klingons, and it sent up the disc- distress call from the colonists. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Yes, yeah. this duplicitous disco ball. Yeah. So there's yes. a glowy disco ball hovering over them as they. No. Okay. Question. Okay. Can they see this ball? I think so. But I- how come they? Fail to notice it at every Cree. turn. Cree. The crew of the Enterprise is not the most observant people in like, the galaxy. They're staring right at it. Well, until the, the end when it's actually just like hanging out in the corner of engineering being like, give me all of your juice. Um, I <laughs> give assume me your it's hiding. Juice. But it isn't. It's, order, it's sort of just always sparkling like just over there behind those yeah. rocks. Okay. No, there is the point where they have the Lady Klingon. The only Lady Klingon in original series. There's two in this episode. But she's the only one with lines. The other one shows up once in the transporter room and then at the end. Yeah. But they are standing right in front of it. Like, they are looking at it. They actually get glow on their faces from it. And she's staring at it like, huh. I mean... And then Kirk Kirk calls to Kang to try and do a truce. And she's like, no, Kang, no, it's a trap. Honey? It's right in front of you. I mean, we know that it can alter your perception, so it's possible that they literally... Then how do they see it? 
know, it's weak at that point. They've broken no, free of it. At I the don't end, know. it's very strong because they've all been fighting. They had yeah, a giant they're all, sword fight. They're all actually actively fighting against it at that point. I, at one point, questioned whether or not there was two disco balls. Because there was the multicolored <laughs> disco ball and the red disco ball. And I right. did not realize that it was just the multicolored so disco ball was, changing color. Do you remember the DS9 episode where Cisco builds the clock? Where they all get possessed by the crew of the dead ship? Yep. And they, like... So there was a point where I was like, oh, is that what's happening? Are there two disco balls? And they're trying to, like, possess people to, like, play out this thing that happened thousands of years ago and just must keep repeating. My idea was cooler than what the actual episode was. That's fair, because I felt like we were getting someone's memories of, oh, they're going to try and steal our technology and they're going to enslave us. I was like, oh, like... This happened? And, and I thought maybe that explained the swords? No, but it explained nothing. No, no it didn't. It no. made no sense. No. The thing, the other thing that I had, well, sort of the next thing that happens here is that the Klingon vessel comes screaming into the solar system. But, like, it's ready to explode and it's all damaged? Where did that come from? No idea. Around. Did the disco ball attack it? Or were they on this planet before and, like, went away and came back? Here's the question. Are those 400 people really dead? I don't think they are. But they, okay, so Kang shows up with his Klingon crew. They beam down. And is like, you bastard, you killed 400 of us. He gives a wallop on Shatner, which I was like, A+. Plus. That was amazing. <laughs> uh, so pleasing. And he's like, you killed 400 of my crewmen. Their screams still echo in my ears. La da da. Are they dead? I don't think so. I think they're meant to be the, the Klingon side of the 100 colonists. What? Like, oh, so that was part of the distress call. Yeah. Oh, but he said that they were his crew members. I don't know if he actually says that, but regardless, like whether he thinks they were on his ship or somewhere else, I think it's, yeah, I think it was just meant to be the hallucinatory Klingon side of this. So they have like skin in the game. Yeah. Because when you have skin in the game, it's like you you lost a colony. I lost 400 crew. Let's fight. Okay. Because I was wondering about that too. The timeline didn't match up. No. But then. Were they like imaginary? Yeah. Or because yeah. like when they beam over, there's only like 40 Klingons on that ship and then they blow the ship up. So were there actually 400 people on board that ship? Because like, den- cause, like they on the Enterprise, up? like 400 crew members get barricaded in below decks and can't get out to make even numbers. <laughs> the numbers are very changeable. Yeah. It goes yes. from 40 to 38 to yeah. I have 440 people on my ship to I lost 300. Like, they just cannot keep track of the bodies. Yeah, so either there never were an additional 400 crew, which I think is more likely, or it, like, tricked them into, like, hiding them or, like, Where? disabling their ship. And then they blew ship. up the ship, so now they're all dead. Because the glowy light wanted them to get over to the Enterprise. So, so either they were real and they killed them themselves, shit. or they were still on the ship. That's or a, they never existed. Because that, 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 that would change my death count a little bit. <laughs> Give or so take 400. You've got, you got a hypothetical appendix. <laughs> because, okay, so the glowy thing can manufacture distress signals that go through space. Mm-hmm. But, and it can also transmute matter. Mm-hmm. Or at least seem like it is. But I don't think it actually disappears well, no, because it seals 400. Or, Why would you do that? Or if you not that? 392, give or take, yeah. of Enterprise crew behind the emergency bulkhead. So it can move people. Did, okay, but that still doesn't answer my question of did the glowy disco ball attack the Klingon vessel and give it all the damage that it came screaming in with? I have to say, yes. Okay, I can accept that. It's just a question that I had. I was like, well, where did the damage come from to the ship? They said that they were attacked, 
But, like, did it just happen when they entered orbit? Did, like, they... No, because they came yes! in. Yes! Yes, it did. Yes, it did. Because they came in, and then pew pew! And oh, right, then, because they're like, oh, the ship's suddenly giving off all this radiation. Yeah, it's been attacked, but not by us. Not by us. And, uh, but then, then I he assume, says that 400 crewmen are dead, but then I assumed it his? had. I assumed it had been attacked before they entered the solar system. No, they no. show up and they're ready to, like, Cause, rock. Because Spock and Chekhov, the, the bridge, when they call down, they're like, there's yeah. a Klingon ship in orbit. It's just been attacked, but not by us. This is crazy. And again, we just came off an episode where Spock's like, well, this is totally illogical and none of it's adding up, so it must be false. No one seems to have learned anything. <laughs> no. Although in this case, their emotions are like actually being influenced from the outside. Sure, but... Boop, As opposed boop, to just being tricked. This button doesn't work at all, but I'm just going to roll with whatever's happening and yeah. not question it at all. Even Chekhov is like, my dead brother doesn't go, wait, I have no brother. Because what Sulu says is there have been explosions aboard the Klingon ship. It's disabled. And Spock's like, Captain, we never fired upon them. Like, he's worried Kirk might think he did. I am so confused as to the 400 people, though. Because I feel like then they were his crew members. Yeah. They were Klingon crew. But his crew members or another ship that's Well, since it's doing his ship that held the explosions and was suddenly disabled, like, as soon as they entered orbit. I think it's... 400 are dead? It seems likely. Fuck. My death count just went up a lot. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> by 400%? <laughs> yes! Yeah. Increase of 400%. But are they really yeah. dead? But I guess the Enterprise... I, well, they are now. <laughs> <laughs> so the Enterprise actually did commit a war crime and killed 400 They might people. have actually... I think they were dead before because King's like, before they're dead. Before what? Before King beams down. Because I think it happens during the explosions that actually happen on the Klingon ship. And then Kang beams down with like five guys... Yeah. Takes the away team hostage, yeah. punches Kirk in the face, which is, I mean, enjoyable, however you feel about Kirk. Um, and then beams them back up, and they beam aboard, like, the last 35 or whatever. 40. 40. Whatever. 40 to 38, because it changes. Something <laughs> like that. And he's like, 400 of my crew are dead. So it happened it in between. It's be his crew. It's his crew. So it happened in between them entering orbit and them beaming down into the planet. Holy crap! So they were dead before the Enterprise blew up the ship. The energy ball has a lot to answer for. And how come yeah. it didn't kill the Enterprise crew? It just kind of, like, Locked put them in a pen. Can I borrow your pen? I need to borrow some notes. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, Kim. <laughs> I think just because it didn't need to. Yeah, but we know it can trick people and, and make them have hallucinations and stuff. So maybe it just, like, lured them in and locked the door. Also, maybe they were fighting each other that whole time. We don't know. Yeah, why not keep all 400? Well, because you wanted to be able to control it, and that required you to keep a balance, right? They say that a few times that the numbers had to be even. I guess, but why would you just, like, slaughter the Klingons, rinse, repeat? Because I think they they actually destroyed the ship slaughtering the it, Klingons. Basically. They made it so they had to evacuate and the Enterprise had to blow it up. Well, to, like, yeah, to get them all in one place. I mean, if 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 the Enterprise hadn't beamed everybody back up to the Enterprise and got all of their people there, would the energy ball have just destroyed the Enterprise and killed the 400 crew? To get them Why not keep on them the plan- on the planet? Yeah. It's like, so, I mean, if that's where I lived and it was luring them there, maybe it was originally intention. Its original intention was to keep them on the planet, fighting for all eternity. Smaller places, usually. But then, anyone to get out of galaxy, transporter remember? technology. Well, no, it can zip through space. Yeah, that's true. It doesn't transport up. It just and kind it, of boop boop. It wanted to get out of the galaxy. Remember, so possibly I don't, with, did it? It have wanted a desti- food. For, it wanted food for the trip. It did, but I don't think it had a destination. It was just like. Headed nowhere fast. Yeah, I it wasn't clear. I assumed it was trying to get somewhere. Well, no, because they it's were just snacks. like it I'm just, going fast, and it just wanted to eat forever. Yeah, forever and ever. There anyway. is the best part of this is that yeah, the Klingon belts Kirk, which yeah. I was like, 
Excellent. And then Kang is like, you are my prisoners. You and you could actually see the disco ball twirling away going, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Rubbing its non-existent hands yeah. together. Which I don't understand. The Klingons immediately take them hostage. Were they holding phasers? They were for sure holding phasers. The Enterprise crew? Yeah. Communicators. No, because he had his phaser out like he was looking for trouble. And he yeah. found it. Well, apparently they're found it. slow. Well, and Kang is all shorty. I guess technically 400 of his people. Well, he yells the funniest thing. He's like, for years the Federation and Klingon Empire have been at peace. Or what, have they? I, apparently uneasy, for three years. Uneasy state of not actively being at war, but I wouldn't call it peace. Well, they have a treaty um, negotiated by a, a group of cosmic jerks. <laughs> right, right. So it's only so Oh, it's of. the Cosmic Jerk Treaty. It's yeah. like the Organians. It's like a oh. ceasefire rather than a Cosmic Jerks. Yeah. There's a great part because Kang's like, God damn you. And what is this new weapon? And Kirk is like, ah, you destroyed a colony. And, and Kang's like, Colony of the Invisible? <laughs> which would have really been a part. really good title for an episode. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have nothing to add after that. That was just a great title for an episode. <laughs> but yeah, they're like, oh, it was a weapon. It's the Federation full of lies. Federation doesn't do sneak attacks. Yes, they do. Yeah. Um, and. <laughs> Kang is like, okay, tell the Enterprise to beam us up. Your ships are, as Kirk says, fuck you. It's a very stupid plan. It is a very stupid plan. The only reason what does he expect Kirk to do? Well, I think he just figured if he came down and dick swaggered enough, he'd get his way. Well, he he tortures. He tortures. He tortures Chekhov. That's what he deserves. It. That's what. (laughs) Retroactively, yes. This is like prepaying. Chekhov does not come off well. In this episode, and so. Roddenberry and I think the studio were giving notes like, we need more Chekhov, he's young, he's sexy, he looks no, like a monkey. Not. And uh, I don't know who wrote this episode, but they have a giant hate on for him because yeah. he goes full crazy real fast and then proceeds to sexually assault a lady and then spends the rest of the episode pretty unconscious. Yeah. Yeah. And gets carried like a baby by Kirk. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Yeah. But yeah, when he so he starts screaming here that Cossacks. Klingons killed his brother and he like jumps at them. And like so they start torturing him. And like I was like, well of course Kirk is gonna break. He wouldn't actually maintain composure and just like tor- no, no. we have seen that through the previous two seasons and seven episodes. Yeah. Yeah. But here's the thing. I'm not saying you need to know everything about your coworkers, but if you're in a military situation where there's like high stress, where you're going to be meeting different aliens and through diplomatic things, wouldn't you want to just put a sticky note somewhere that says Chekhov's brother killed by Klingons exclamation point. Yeah. So that if you were in a situation where you're with Klingons, you'd be like, Chekhov, how about you stay here? Okay. I have two, I have two answers to that. One, uh, Kirk himself is not real good at uh, estimating biases vis-a-vis the Klingons. And uh, B, did I say one or... It doesn't matter. Chekhov doesn't actually... It's going to bother her for the rest of the episode. (laughs) Chekhov's brother is supposed to have been on this imaginary colony. No, it's just his brother was... No, Kirk says it later. He says his brother was on the colony. No, no, no. It was was years ago. Chekhov talks about years ago and that he saw the remains of his brother. I did not catch that yeah. at all. I paid very close attention to this episode. I'm very surprised Because it was that. put right into my ears via my cell phone. Kim, your, resp- your rebuttal to my personnel problem. Um, you should also have a general idea about the family composition of a lot of your coworkers. Mm-hmm. So that when someone starts screaming about how their brother was killed, you can pretty immediately say, 
I didn't know you had a brother. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Again, had they cottoned on to that because, in like, minute five, they would have been like, oh. Yeah. yeah. Well, because I really, I did enjoy that it was Sulu who eventually is like, uh, yeah. he's an only child. Yes. He's like the guy that you sit next to at work all the time. Like, you know him well He's your best bro. Yeah. And Sulu finally brings it up. Again, this is why HR would be handy to have. <laughs> yeah. But I thought that was that was crazy that he wouldn't know that. And that he wouldn't be like, hmm, maybe we need to keep reins on Chekhov in this particular situation. But it yeah. doesn't matter because there's a giant disco ball. It's out for blood. Blood. Yeah. So they start torturing Chekhov when he did some very high screaming, icky mm-hmm. writhing on the ground. It was not pleasant. And then Kirk no. does the, really the only smart thing he does in this episode. He says, fine, I'll call the ship. And he calls the ship and he says, Spock, beam us up. We have guests. And he presses the panic button. Yeah. What the hell? Where has that been all this time? You know how much trouble that would save them? Yeah. So much. I did enjoy that he just kind of tipped the communication yeah. so <laughs> no one could see. It was like behind his hand. Panic button. Yeah. <laughs> and not like a gentle like thumb brush. No, it was it's like, like the whole I'm hand holding this down <laughs> for as long as possible. The camera's going to linger on it. Mm-hmm. I did like that it shows uh, it, the panic button is the little uh, light that goes off on the captain's chair. I think that's very subtle. Yes, very. <laughs> but this is frustrating as hell. <laughs> yeah. It's um, little, I mean, it's yeah. one of those things that original series does, is they just like, well, what do we need to get out of this situation today? Yeah. Let's make something up. There's no internal consistency. Again, wouldn't a code word as, we have guests, couldn't that be, like, the thing that you say? Yeah. you're like, oh. Because a secret bad guy button seems like a good idea. Sure, yeah, sure. But you need redundancies built into this. Like, Lots. Even if you start your communiques, like, the ones where you're like, this is danger, please do something with, like, hidely ho, Mr. Spock. How do the Klingons know that's not how you greet him on exactly. a regular basis? Exactly. So apparently what the panic button means in a beaming up situation is materialize the actual away team, but keep the Klingons in the beam. I thought that was great. I thought that was scary as hell. That was amazing. It was great. Like, you so just clever. Undo them. Yeah. And do not redo them. They're in the buffer yeah. still. You yeah. copy, but you do not paste. <laughs> yes, exactly. There is a episode of Next Generation with Lieutenant Barkley, who is afraid of beaming, who is constantly having visions while being like in mm. mid-transport. Mm. And everyone's like, no, Reg, you, you can't actually, you're not aware of that. And he's like, I see things. <laughs> and he ends up like pulling like crew members that have been like trapped. The beam snakes. Yeah. Yeah. It's really creepy. It's, a it's really... Extru- I had nightmares about that episode Ooh. as a child. Which is fair because it's the equivalent, I guess, for us of airplanes or elevators. When you get into an elevator, you might not come back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But like, I thought that was like, it was a really cool it was thing. So clever. It was a nice, it was a nice play. The yeah. only thing is, is that that light of ball is furious. <laughs> so angry that you messed up my incredibly intricately scheduled plan. And Chekhov is like, we should just keep them in non-existence. Yeah, let's yes. just dematerialize them. And she everyone just sort of looks at him like, whoa, Chekhov, that's dark. It is. It is. So they bring over all the Klingon survivors, which includes Kang's wife, Mara. Mara, who is and also they, his science officer. Yeah, I liked that little detail. Yeah, she's got, you know. And they disarm them. Her eye makeup, Kim... Oh my god, she has got black and white striped eyeshadow on in, like, 
swooping wings. It's, it's pretty like intense. White, black, white stripe. It was crazy bananas. She also has two eyebrows. Yes. One that goes real up, and then one that kind of goes across, <laughs> which was a choice. It was, and her, I don't know if it was just the way her makeup was done or the light or whatever, Ugh. but she had on her black face a very, looked like a very divide in her forehead so that you could see the different rigid, like, sides of her yeah. forehead. It was really weird. Um, we should also take this moment to talk about her outfit, yes, which please. is the romper version of what the <laughs> men are wearing with uh, leather, black leather leggings. Her like I could leggings not slash get over boots. them. I boots could, are not pants. No. <laughs> I could not stop watching her leggings. No. I was like, what are those made? No, you would never do that. Yes, Kareem, we have seen ladies who have been strapped into their boots going up over their boobs. Like, yes, they would do that. Yep. How do you get it all? Like, how do you pee? Romper off. Everything for... has to come off. Romper yeah. down. You're <laughs> sitting on the toilet with your boobs hanging out. <laughs> That'll be really cold. Be right? Cold. In space? <laughs> yeah. Just, just an observation. Uh, this is also where they're all like, we know you're going to torture us and send us to your death camps. And everyone else goes, uh? We were just going to send you to the lounge. Yeah, like your own lounge. We'll, 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 recon- we'll like reconfigure the replicators for your weird Klingon food and just, it's fine. It's okay. Just it's fine. Have a mo. Yeah. At which point Bones catches the crazy yep. and starts blathering on about how we should just cut them all. Kirk, Spock, here's the part where I'm just going to lose it. Kirk, Spock, and Chekhov get into an elevator. <laughs> and Chekhov starts having... An awkward, awkward diatribe about how Klingons are just the worst and you can't trust a goddamn Klingon. We should just cut them all into tiny pieces and then make them into a stew and then put that stew into a pie and then bake that pie and feed it to their mothers. And after he exits the elevator, Kirk (laughs) looks over his shoulder like, huh, that was weird. (laughs) And does not dwell Carries on Carries on with his other conversation. Walks right out of the elevator with yeah. Spock. But I think I would take a moment of like, hey, that <laughs> was... Like, call him back here and... Yeah. Uh, You're a little out of character. Would you care to... napper. Explain? Like, have, do you need a Mars bar? <laughs> <laughs> like, have you been not sleeping? Like, have you hit your head very hard? Are you possessed by an alien? Because this is a thing that has happened to you. Multiple times. So... Maybe we should act on that gut feeling that gave you a pause in an elevator <laughs> with a look over your beautiful left shoulder that clearly said, what the fuck? <laughs> Maybe just articulate that feeling. Trust those instincts. <laughs> Use but your no. words. But no, they just stroll right onto the bridge like an ace. Bones is no also thing. diatribing, but to a slightly lesser degree. Um, no. like, like his usual bitch fits, but meaner. It is, he, no, he's like, clearly got something. Yeah. And both of them are like, huh, that's, that's weird, I guess. You think that, yeah, that is weird, isn't it? And this it? is all, this is all triggered, by the way, by Spock saying, so the Klingons can't actually destroy the colony. We know they were too far away. And then both Bones and Chekhov just go off. It is weird. My favorite part of this entire sequence is the ball sneaks around looking for trouble. <laughs> just wandering the ship. Wee, 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 Which is great. That is legitimately the noise it made, by the way. Yes. Uhura tries to call Starfleet, 
This is great. <laughs> Kirk utters the line, tell them we've got a diplomatic tiger by the tail. Oh, he has But can't some get here. the damn thing to work. She doesn't just say this. No, it's she amazing. She takes off her earpiece, throws it on the counter, and is like, what the fuck? Yeah. There is nothing wrong, and yet I can't get a signal through. I do that at work sometimes. I like this. This is, this is legit, like, tech troubleshooting behavior. <laughs> I liked um, seeing Uhura upset like this because... We never see her upset. She's always very calm. She is. And, and she's she a black is, lady on 1960 television. She's not allowed to get mad. That is true. But she does have a moment of annoyance. Oh, yeah. Annoyance. Where she loses it and is just like, there is no reason why this should not be working and it is not working. Why you no work? Yeah. And where you just growl and you kick it really hard yeah. inside. And again, they have just come out of a situation where logically something should have worked, i.e. a smoked dope bomb. Yeah. And it did not, so they knew that something was up. Well, she wasn't on that mission, though. Yeah, but Kirk was. Yeah. That is true. Um, You guys skipped a part in your talkings. Mm. Um, we, we went in to see the Klingons discussing the situation. Mm-hmm. Kang's wife is not happy, and one Klingon breaks out the Proverbs. Yes! <laughs> 40,000 throats may be cut in one night by a single man. Running man. <laughs> single running man. Yeah. Yes. That is ambitious. It, it is, however, the most Klingon thing I've ever seen original series Klingon say. Yeah. Okay, but you t- essentially have to get all those people to line up in a row and then go along with the sword at a pretty good clip. I mean, with a batleth, you'd only really have to do it 20,000 times. Well, <laughs> I guess it if you had them line up, and, yeah. it was a thousand throws yeah. maybe cut in one night. So I guess if you had 500 line up pretty close to you and just you're holding straight. your bat left and then you, yeah, yes. just straight. I, yeah. I mean, the whole point of it is just like, just keep moving and you can do a ton of damage. <laughs> yeah. Just keep going. But Which, like, I love that. It was great. It was very nice. It was, it was a nice moment. And then the ship just kind of is possessed. Yep. yep. Should That's we basically what happens. It, it starts is. shaking. They've gone to warp nine by themselves. Again. Again. And we've changed course to leave the galaxy. Well, this seems familiar. Again. Again. This is yeah. the second time in like three episodes where we've decided to leave the galaxy. Two. So stupid. Yeah. Apparently 400 of the crew members decide to take a mm-hmm. little break outside the emergency bulkhead. They're trapped below. So now they're trapped. Yeah. Like, I imagine, like, in my head, I'm like, they're trapped below decks. It's like the bottom. Like Titanic. It's like yeah. the bottom yeah. deck is all cargo bays, low ceilings. And, and how do they find themselves there? And don't they think it's weird that 400 people just went? Went to well, a they've place? Well, they've only got six decks and all the other ones are blocked off because they, they, they mentioned going between specific numbered decks a few times because engineering's on deck six. And I guess they've got all the other floors are just, like, blocked off. Did, did, like it, did it like man. did did the glowy light ball like linger in a door? It's like I've lost my puppy. Can you help me find it? It's below decks four hundred times. <laughs> it's a glowy light ball. We don't know. Yeah, okay, sure, 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 sure. It's as reasonable as anything else. Um, Scotty's hair do is okay again. I just like to point that out. It was a little lower than it has definitely been. flatter. Yeah, like less Bruno Mars, more life on Mars. Yeah, <laughs> it's the greatest reference I've ever done. <laughs> So, Kirk is furious. Goes to yell at the Klingons. He goes to yell at... How did you do this? He thinks that Klingons have secretly beamed aboard the ship. Which is insane. (laughs) And then he punches Kang because that's a totally acceptable way to treat prisoners. Doesn't he say to Kang, like, I owe you this Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, from a Klingon point of view, he's probably right. Very honorable. But then, things... (laughs) Knives! Yeah. Sorty. Because everything that's just lying around turns into a sword. <laughs> yep. Just all of it. 
you get mm-hmm. the Star Trek um, magic appearance. Boy, 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 boy. Boy. Yeah, and then there's just swords. Make that, I may make that my notification ringtone now. Oh, that's really good. Boy, 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 boy. That's a great sound effect. Yeah, it is. It is good. Um, yeah, I don't think we actually spent enough time talking about this. So everything lying around. Everything. Everything turns into an antique sword. Yeah, like yeah. there's a vase on a table. There's a glass of Why water. Why a vase there? There were flowers in it, and then it's a sword. <laughs> like, I have, my office has vases. We get flowers. So yeah, I guess technically them. this room has a giant vase in it. It does. Oh, true. it does. It's a new vase. Yeah, I got that Secret Santa at work. Oh, you mm. should put flowers in it. No, you lost that Secret Santa. <laughs> there so were worse things. They have to sword fight their way out of this situation. Poorly, they're really so bad. bad. And the at fights length, were terrible. They're very so bad. bad. Which is fun because Shatner is, you know, trained actor. He did Stratford and all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. so he we, should know how to do like, it. Like we've seen good sword fights and stuff on this show before. Have we? Do we remember George Takei leaping around shirtless in season but one? That was only he because was only it was George Takei. Yeah, but it was still really good. <laughs> I don't think sure they actually choreographed this at all. No, just, they just lunge like, at each other, guys. Just, just, just do your thing. Just, but the, it's fine. Okay, this is the part where everything came together for me. So they fight them off. Kirk is like, you Everybody go there, escapes. you go there. I'm going to go into the elevator. Stand there and flex that sword really sexily. Um, we do. just flex in that sword like, <laughs> yeah. what the fuck is this? And it was like, hello. It's I- a sword. I really like, because a red shirt gets stabbed, so they drag him off and into, yes. the, into the, the turtle yes. lift. And then, like, they stop at the sick bay level. The three red shirts get out with their yeah. buddy, and Kirk just keeps going. <laughs> well, he's got to flex. <laughs> he's got to flex it out. And he has to give Spock the opportunity on the bridge to point out that uh, magically appearing weapons are not in our bailiwick or the Klingons. No, the neither Klingons of have us, a dueling tradition. Yeah, but neither of us can make weapons magically appear. Yeah, okay, that is that is fair. So, good job, Spa. <laughs> like, and it doesn't make a lot of sense for the Klingons mm. to magically give us weapons also. Because some of the swords and knives and stuff appear in people's hands. Yes. Out of thin air. Which is crazy. But this is where Chekhov oh, picks up a sword of. and runs off to avenge his brother, Piotr. And he runs away, and Tulu sort of raises his hand and goes, did he say brother? And Kirk's like, yeah, yeah, his brother is killed by Klingons. And Tulu's like, uh, he's an only child. At which Can't point... Can't you tell? <laughs> that is so fair. At which point Kirk goes, huh. Yeah. Should we... No, let's not think too hard about this. <laughs> Everyone is so sweaty, might I add, at this oh, point. Oh, yes, Bones yeah. is, like, hiding in the corner, muttering about butchers and sweating oh, no. buckets. Yeah, he's in sick bay, and we get a flash of many men nipples. Like, he accidentally pulls it down a little bit too far, and then he's like, oh, no, nipples, and then tucks that nipple in. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's awfully... I missed that part. <laughs> I did not. I was, again, I was paying very hard attention to this episode. Um, we get the Klingons sneaking around to steal a map of the Enterprise. Okay, they don't sneak... They, they walk, walk into any office, and yeah. it is just there for the taking. I mean, there yeah. are only 40 people guarding any given room, so I guess this one? I don't know. Should that not be password protected? I would have thought so. Yes! There is a great episode, probably one of my favorite episodes of Next Generation, where the children need to get a, a copy of the map mm. of the Enterprise in order to heist some stuff. Again, heist movies are really easy to yeah. do. There's very specific beats. I'm talking to you, episode. Rogue One. <laughs> Um, and in the episode, they can't get into the, like, schematics of the Enterprise, but the kids are able to just go, show us a map of the Enterprise, and they get, like, the basic general layout without all of the, like, the 
hardcore schematics. Yeah. And everyone's like, that's super useful. But like the actual hardcore the level of access. Yeah. Is like password protected. It's yeah. not a mall. <laughs> it's really <laughs> where you are is where you should be. That is true. Like no one should have access to schematics. Well, it was like a map to show you, like, this is where the bridge is, this is where 10 Ford is, this is where the Arboretum is, but it didn't this give you, like, school this is Jeffrey Tube's access to get to the nacelles. This is how you disable security, this one right here. So, uh, they basically do this so they can find out where engineering is. Scotty is ordered to cut out the crew that is trapped behind the bulkheads, but can't because the metal won't cut. <laughs> Here's the deal. Metal isn't working anymore. <laughs> This part was amazing because he walks into the armory and it's just all swords. Yeah, as far as the eye can see. All the weapons are now So he takes the prettiest one. He takes the claymore. Yeah. Also, the numbers of people have gone for claymore. It's way too small to be a claymore. That's what he said. It is not a long sword. It is not a claymore. A claymore is a two handed sword that weighs as much as a child. That was a fancy pirate sword. It was. It had like a jeweled the handguard thing. Claymores do not have guards. You don't Fine. need guards in Scotland. You just kill people that with your giant fun. sword. That sword was more French. Yeah. Or Spanish, Ooh. maybe. You could tell you also the, the flippery. <laughs> Claymores also, I want to know, do not have tassels. Fine. French swords do have tassels. Yes, they do. They're ceremonial. Yes. French. So the best part is, is that Spock's like, okay, I'm going to lead with this. <laughs> there are 38 Klingons and there are 38 humans. And mm. I was like, oh, that's kind of like... It is very odd that there are, you know, perfectly equal numbers. Oh, just to add, <laughs> there is also one energy beam. I don't want to, like, I don't really, like, we shouldn't really talk about it. Let's go back to those 38 numbers. Oh, you want to talk about the energy beam? Yeah, that is weird, isn't it? Yeah. What the hell, man? Yeah. He doesn't, but, like, it's the last thing. That should be the first one you thing you mentioned. Oh, yes, there's an extra being on the ship that we can't account for. And it appears to be an energy being. Again, like, when you um, first saw that, would you not throw your hand up in the air and go, ooh, ooh, me, me, ooh, me. It's the energy being! More yes. cosmic jerks! Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Which, of course, it is. The best part of this is we get back to engineering, and they're supposed to be guarding engineering from the Klingons. <laughs> They being Scotty and Sulu, basically. Which, as a security force, leads something to wanting. Because they're like, ooh, no clear. I don't see any Klingons here. No, there are any Klingons here. We that flash way? into no, engineering. That way? Have we checked the door? Because <laughs> the Klingons don't so much sneak in as they walk in on mass. They open the door, and they kind of like, Tiptoe, sneak, they, sneak, sneak. They basically are going, we're sneaking while they're walking. Yeah. They do it for two men, and then they're like, ah, oh, no, hell, just go like, for it. Like, you can it. practically hear the little, like, Black Panther tickly strings noise as they're sneaking in on their tiptoes. Oh. Yeah. 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 And uh, then they just start sword fighting. Yeah. Yeah, except for they, Scotty and Sulu, Sulu, who eventually just karate chop their way to freedom. Yeah. 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 And run away. Very bravely ran away. Uh, <laughs> bravely Spock? ran away. Yeah. <laughs> brave, 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 so Sulu. Well, they do give up really easily. It's and they're true. just like, well, there's too many Klingons, let's go. Yeah. Which is right, leaving everyone in engineering to get like a group pat down. <laughs> yeah. It was yep. not comfortable. Um, on the bridge, Kirk and Spock, thank God, make the obvious leap that the spinny light is probably responsible for all the weird behavior and magically appearing shit. It is. Thank you. Kirk asked the question. What does it want? <laughs> to which Spock goes, I don't know. Yeah. 
And then they ask the computer, and the computer goes, I don't fucking know. No. How the fuck should I know? No. Kirk, however, is like, we're being played. Yep. And it's by Thank you for joining the rest of us, Captain Kirk. Yes, that can manipulate matter and our mind and our own memories, which is crazy. Yep. Um, So we we have to make peace with the Klingons. And Spock's like, we might be hallucinating right now. And also... Klingons really like fighting. They might not be into that. Which is which is actually fair. Bone storms in and gives... <laughs> How dare you speak of peace? This is a fight to the death! And frosts the mouth. Yeah. Does. Basically, he does. Kirk and Spock share another speaking look of silence, sort of. They're like, wait, is he affected by this? Or is he just like... It's <laughs> only a couple of points above his usual, like... like how do we read this? Yeah. Um, and then Kang calls on the phone. <laughs> he keeps on calling on the cell phone and he says well you're all gonna suffocate so there and the ball says wee yeah. he just like turns off the life support yeah. he does yeah he oh, does this is, this is a very unclean on way of killing people and I do not respect it it is not honorable it no, is not, not at all okay so here we go into our next section where Scotty arrives oh, and yes. starts raging but the rant turns into an anti-Vulcan rant because Spock's like whoa man chill and it turns into an anti-Vulcan rant and Spock takes exception pretty strongly. Spock is definitely getting a... I think he is affected, affected by the oh, beam. Because yeah. yeah. it's amazing. He's like, oh, you're such a freak, freak, freak. Um, and Spock's like, you know what I don't like is people talking to me like that. I also yeah. don't like people. You're <laughs> very Humans irritating. are very annoying. Here's the problem that I have. It. They're about to get into it. And Kirk breaks the spell, as it were, by shouting at Spock, You're half human! And that is like, oh, oh, yeah. But the thing is, here is that Scotty also snaps out of whatever's happening, and he seems horrified, and he's like, what are we doing? Yeah, he just stands there looking completely horrified. Yeah. And then, <laughs> there's some shot acting. And this is this is Shacking. starting to edge into, like, like 90s era Star Trek After school special. After school special, like, what just happened? We're better than this. We're better trained. We're better educated. Oh, hey, this war's been staged. <laughs> he, he does leap from A to B pretty yeah, fast. Yeah, pretty fast. He asks, are we at war? We are trained to think in other ways than war. Yeah. So as a conflict resolution specialist, he is doing well. He's our brain. This is where he talks about, like, race hatred. Yeah. and Like it's a bacteria of some kind. Yeah. You know, it's obviously the energy creature, but what is yeah. the game and what are the rules? But they have a goal now, which is we need to find that spinny asshole and stop it. The power comes on for absolutely no reason, which no one is worried about. And no one thinks too hard about it, except for Sulu, who's like, um, I didn't do anything. Thanks for the praise, but I did nothing. <laughs> nothing. Yeah. So, <sighs> this is the part of the episode that I think I... I think we can all agree that we did not enjoy. No. Nope. Lady Kang Mara is walking around the corridors. Chekhov creepy creeps and he creeps out of a hard. wall. Well, I think it's technically like an elevator. He's in a Jeffrey's tube, whatever, but he basically climbs out of a wall. He beats up the dude that's hanging out with her. Her guard, I assume. Yeah, and then he's or like, underling. you're pretty. Uh, so I'm just gonna straight up assault you. Yeah, and he like pushes her up against the wall. It is and very rips uncomfortable. Her clothes. Yes. To which she has to spend the rest of the episode with the front of her dress ripped off. Yeah. It. 
It's just deeply unnecessary and gross. It is. It's really, really, really gross. Yeah, it's gross, and it's like it's not something you want to see from one of your characters or whatever. But no. I think in this, in the sort of the larger thing of what they're talking about, where you're seeing all of these really horrible things that happen in conflicts, yeah, and you're seeing the racial hatred, and you're seeing like the rumors and the torture and the yeah. fighting. This is what happens to women in fights in so conflicts. Yeah, and they are yeah, attacked. It still didn't need to be in the episode at all. I, I know, I, I kind of get what you, what your argument is, Kim, and I think I agree with you that we often think about uh, conflict in terms of lives lost or on the battlefield, but yes. it, it always extends further than that. Yeah, I, I, I liked. The, ugh, I'm not saying I liked it, and it wasn't great, but you know what I mean. Is I yeah. liked it as a story element because it also showed you the other side of war that isn't the battles and the generals and the moves. It is the personal side, the family side, and it is the side for women. Yeah, absolutely. Who, so I thought it was important to have in there. Yeah. I also enjoy I that don't. Kirk comes along in this situation and beats the shit out of Chuck off. Yeah. I appreciated that. Yeah. I did, and he's knocked unconscious. Yep. And then he's done for the episode. Probably for the best. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, but then they manhandle the woman who's just being sexually assaulted. They are not nice to her. No. I do like that Kirk almost beats Chuck off to death. Yeah. Yeah. That and was then fine. carries him like a tiny baby. And then just deposit him in sick bay and he's gone. Yeah, which is That's fine. It. Which is good. Mm-hmm. Which is probably for the best. Yeah. This is where we find out that everyone who's been injured is healing at insanely fast rates. And they're like, oh, so it wants us alive. <laughs> Again, Great. a jump to make. A jump to make. Um, but also the Bones is really sorry <laughs> about <laughs> everything that he said. Yeah. It was at this point that I realized that this episode was lived I repeat. Because <laughs> kidneys are growing back. Yeah. And a red shirt essentially just kind of mends himself yeah. by thinking about it and being full of rage, and the rage just sews up his kidney. Yep. Yeah, but it wasn't... They didn't do it enough times. They need to do something like this at least two or three times. Like, you need to do the whole... They had done a cycle. Like, yeah, it's yeah. not emphasized, really. Well, someone needed to be killed, like, yeah. killed and then come back to life, and yeah. that needed to be the focus of someone else's journey, and then you'd be like, whoa! The thing is that it's not at all mentioned until now that this is happening, and it's not, it's just, sort of like, a stakes-raising thing as opposed to, like, a fundamental part of the episode, which is what it should have been. So, it yeah, it feels very... And we don't actually know that they can't die. It's just if they get stabbed, they mend, but yeah. Yeah. we don't know what happened if someone chopped off their head, like... Deep question. Would they grow a new head? Mm. Would their head kind of slowly, by psychic forces, shloop its way over to oh. the corpsicle? No, no, hop. Or would it be like in Men in Black when the head gets blown off and then it just like grows back? Yeah. 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 That's Yelling. disgusting. Yeah. No, so don't do we that. should watch Men in Black. No, I hate that movie. <laughs> um, so they go and they take Mara with them. She gets manhandled yeah. a lot. The woman who about five seconds ago had her clothes ripped off. Yeah, we should definitely be dragging her around by the arm. It's really mean because Kirk figures all this out through Kirk magic and calls up Kang saying, "We have to stop this because we're making <laughs> this alien is essentially eating all of its emotions and it's also eating our emotions. Yeah. So we need to stop." But Mara's like, "No, it's a trap." While staring at this glowing energy ball. Xandu is keeping her from seeing it. It's No, No, we have no evidence of that. She's just being, like, obstinate, I guess. Yes. And (sighs) this is where Redshirt looms up out of the corner. Yeah. Having discharged himself from sickbay. 
Um, it's like, no, we have to kill them all. I've got my orders. We have to kill the Klingons. And Spock nerve pinches him because he's sick of that. And they realize that, oh, it eats emotions. Fine. Who cares? It eats bigotry. It's, <laughs> it's, they go back onto the bridge where, oh no, there's a ticking clock. Mm-hmm. 12 goddamn minutes till the engines die. Because it's Stardate Armageddon. Amazing. So bad. That's very stupid because it has nothing to do with the Stardate. Nope. Mm-mm. It's just a very bad, no good day. Yeah. The crystals or something. The dilithium crystals. Because they've been going at like warp nine plus for however long this episode has been going on, a really long time. Mm-hmm. And the dilithium crystals are discharging. And soon sure. they'll be without, they have 10 minutes. That's the clock. Yeah, whatever. Who cares? So Kirk decides to try again. He calls up Kang. is like, if you don't do this, I'm going to kill your wife. Kang responds with, fine. <laughs> well, she's a casualty of war. Yeah, he says she's, she's a victim of war. She understands. She clearly does not uh, understand. No. <laughs> she's just like, what the fuck, dude? The fuck, Kang? No. We and talked I, about this the last time. And after that, she's like, oh, you didn't kill me. She's but, very surprised. Yes. And Kirk says, well, let's try mutual trust instead. Because we've done so much to foster that up to this point. Oh, God. But Mara agrees to take Kirk to Kang. It's the best thing, because... Everyone's like, no, Kirk, you're walking into a trap. And he says, my favorite thing, we are all in a trap. Which is true. Ooh. Ooh, Writing. They beam directly into engineering. Which is apparently a thing they can do. Intership beaming, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, In in Next Generation, you can do it. You're not supposed to. It's just not a good idea. Yeah. Um, How is it any less of a good idea than beaming down to a planet that you don't, you can't see? A ship is moving a lot faster than a planet was my first thing. It's the movement. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you'd have to figure out where the place you're beaming to is going to be in, like, what, a million nano micro yeah. tiny tiny fraction also, of a second starships have more walls yeah than planets. <laughs> i mean it even on planet on, are you in a maze planet even on planets it's tricky the mm. thing that i liked about the beaming scene was that kirk very deliberately leaves his sword in the transport room i and love he, goes in and I, he I starts love good, the sequence he yes goes oh wait runs off the pad puts the sword down runs back to the pad it's like when i forget to set the alarm yeah i love watching kirk handle swords yeah sure Karine. okay it's great it's very stupid because of course he walks in and kang's like oh, this part was really gross because basically the first thing kang notices after oh hey my wife's not dead is you whore <laughs> yeah he's the ripped shirt and it's yeah. just like oh you slept with him that's why, that's why kill you're you. dead to me like f you dude so, so true disgusting. So, so true. So, of course, they get into a giant fight. Mara oh, helps out God. by throwing a sword to Kirk, and they fight very, very For a poorly. thousand years. I didn't understand why Spock just didn't come in and nerve pinch everyone. Yeah. Yep. Everyone. But because instead... if they're unconscious, they don't have feelings, so it's fine. But instead, Kirk monologues while fighting. He rhymes. I don't I don't have the exact words what? written down, but this entire section rhymes. Are you... No, Where he's yelling not. at Kang? Yeah, he's got, like, a, a rhyming... No bullshit. No, Honest. No, he says this This is the game of war, pawn versus pawn forever. No, it's a bit later on, but there, he rhymes for about four lines. Everything he says rhymes. And I laughed really hard. No, I refuse to accept that. There's a really good part. It's like the game of war never stops and it's a game for some people. And we're pawns. We're pawns that die over and over again. And there's a thing that sits back and laughs and then starts it all over again. Mm-hmm. Which is true. That's essentially what war is and spock instead of helping stands at the side of the room saying no those who hate and fight must stop themselves otherwise it is not stopped which i mean okay i see where you're going with that but honestly your nerve pinch would be more helpful in this situation yeah 
I really enjoyed that um, when Kang finally sees the alien, Kirk turns around and throws a sword at it. <laughs> Which I would have killed to see the special effect of that. <laughs> and finally, uh, Kong, Kang, King, whatever his face is, Kang. is like, hold on, Master Kree, you will show some respect. Mm. Well, not yet, I guess. He's like, wait a minute. I'm no, I'm not a pawn or a toy. Klingons kill for our own purposes and no one else's. Yeah. <laughs> and it's been Mar- Mara's I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ, thank you. <laughs> so they decide to use hugs as weapons. Except, no, because they didn't actually hug. No, no they just kind of stood next to each other. I was extremely disappointed in this ending when Spock is like, well, good good feelings will defeat it. I was like, they are literally going to group hug the shit out of this. They just laugh at it. Yeah, it's only metaphorical hugging out. It they was just tell it to get off our ship. And then they like, haul out. They like chuckle. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> this is a shitty ending. They should have all hugged each other. There mm-hmm. was an original ending of this, which they might have sang a song or maybe hugged it out. Should have hugged Either it one out. of those would have been superior. No. To the I, I actually liked the awkward laugh. Although I did like when Kang finally, because he's watching the, the humans sort of try and laugh at it and mock it out of the ship, and he just sort of goes, ha ha ha, cling on laughter. <laughs> Only a fool fights in a burning house. I love that. We don't know urging to hate humans. Oh. They suck. And Kirk's whole thing's like, it's all over, we'll be ready for you next time, when racial hatreds, blah, 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 blah. we will know what it was. And, uh, yeah. Uh, I do not think that is true, but nice try. Less and 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 Anyways, that's that. Yeah. The energy ball just, like, leaves. Leaves. Like, it doesn't die or anything. It slinks off. Yeah. It just zoops off in a different direction. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It was kind of hilarious. It's just like they defeated it by laughter and it just they went, embarrassed it. And it left. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Fine. We all learned something very valuable. But, but Kim, what did you in specificity learn? Um, I learned that. Oh, what did I learn? I learned. I'm trying to think how to phrase this because I didn't write it down. I was thinking about it all day. Um, that war is a never ending cycle. Um, and the only way to get out of war is to refuse to participate. Okay. So we know what your future looks like in the oncoming global crisis. <sighs> I'm a conscientious objector. All right. Ari, your life lesson? I think there's a really clumsily put through thing here about, like, not letting other people send you to war for things that you don't actually understand what you're even fighting for. Yeah, it it is there. Like, you're... criticize the media. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is true because they're essentially fighting for nationalism and oh, they've done a, a wrong to us and so... something that is actually nothing but serves someone else's evil purposes. Exactly. Actually, <clears throat> it it is just a quite a nicely put story about that. Mm-hmm. But yeah. those forces that we don't understand and yet we get carried away by them and we refuse to see the truth. And we allow and... ourselves to be convinced that we have. Like, righteous cause. Righteous causes, or that we even have a personal philosophical stake in things when we really don't at no. all. No, because it, we're all just pawns. Mm-hmm. I think my life lesson is only a fool fights in a burning house. That's good pretty lesson. good. It's, it's such good a good life. life lesson. It is so proper Klingon sounding. I liked that. It is very, very good. Yeah. Very, very good. Um, Kim, your count. Um, <laughs> apparently 400 Klingons died. 
Dang. And um, I was going to say zero in the fighting because they all came back. Yep. They all were fine. Yeah. They got better. Yeah. They got better. But yeah, four apparently four apparently four hundred Klingons died. Uh, debatable, D- which we have debated. maybe we did debate hypothetical. I, I added them in. Yeah, that's fair. Are your count? Uh, four women, two of them Klingons, seven people of color, but most of them were like in the sick bay scene where everyone's recovering from stab wounds. Were those real or blackface? No, those were humans. I did okay. not count the Klingons. Okay, at all in any way. That is fair. Uh, performance of the episode, Kim. <sighs> Shatner? Yes! How come? Um, I liked his monologuing. <laughs> well, that is a surprise. I, like, I mean, I thought he had the most to work with. I don't think, like, the, the woman who played, um, what's her name? Mara. Mara. She didn't really get a lot to do, or she didn't get a lot to express, and the guy who played Kang, he wasn't re- he didn't really get a lot to do either. No. The person who had the most work to do in terms of, like, it was mostly Shatner's monologues about the moral of the episode. The yeah. Lens, the lessons. Yeah. No, it's true. There, there's some bits with Mara um, after the incident with Chekhov where Kurt asks her questions and she just stares into the distance Yeah, she with doesn't soft really lighting even... and it was like, what? That does not make her brown face makeup look any well, better. Well, it's not appropriate lighting for this situation. You ask her another question and it's back to soft lighting and you're like, eh, the glamour shots are not necessary not really appropriate in this, in this situation no um ari performance of the episode I actually i'm gonna give it to michael and sarah who play king okay uh just because i really like the character of king now and later one of nine incarnations thereof no nope. same actor for all three yeah kim he, he reminded come, me of this he comes back a couple of times and he definitely comes back in deep space nine he's in one ds9 and he's in one voyager and it's um it's the same actor who comes back because yes. in uh in deep space nine there's three actors who play Klingons in the original series who all turn out were friends of Curzon Dax, so they all go to bug Jadzia on the station. Because they have a blood debt. Yeah, and it's all the same actors playing I the same roles. love that episode. It's one of my favorite DS9 episodes because you get this whole thing about uh, Dax's last host and Curzon Dax, who was one of the mm-hmm. people who negotiated the Kinmer Accords, which is the, the treaty between the Federation and the Klingon Empire. Yeah. And the whole thing is like that the three Dahar masters, Kang, Koloth, and Kor, that they're after this this albino mercenary guy who killed their sons. Yeah. And Kang's son was called Dax. Yeah. Because he named him after Curzon. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. So they have to track him down, cut out his heart, and eat him. Yeah. And Dax yeah. goes because she's Come still. On. And Dax ends up going because she still feels like the godfather to the son who was who was killed and that she still has the responsibility of the blood oath that Curzon. Anyway, it's fantastic, but it's the same three actors. They all played a Mm -hmm. role, Klingons, in original series, and they all come back in Deep Space Nine. Very nice. Yeah, I thought it was a fantastic little bit of casting, and then it also gives you the idea that Klingons can live to be more than 100 years old. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm giving the episode to Shatner, who shat-acks. (laughs) Shacks. Lots of it, but when he bends that sword in the... Good Good I'm surprised stuff. it wasn't the over-the-shoulder look you're giving it to. That was also a, a look that I was like, <laughs> but again, guys, trust your instincts. Question what you're told. Have a safe word so when someone is obsessed or possessed by an alien species. Mm-hmm. Yep. Good life lesson. Doppelganger code words. Mm-hmm. 